Hello and welcome to Divided by Brand, the weekly podcast show for entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers. If you want to learn more about branding, hear from industry experts and first-hand accounts about ways that you might find yourself divided by your own business's brand, then this is the show for you. Join me, your host Dan O'Cook, a brand identity specialist with over 20 years design experience and founder of Vi Design Co. I'm going to talk everything brand, but more specifically, I want to go behind the scenes of real life brand challenges that businesses and individuals have faced that has left them divided in their mind or divided by the people around them. I want you to learn with me exactly what real life brand divides people have faced and by overcoming them, did they help to create success? It's the show that's going to have a host of different branding stories. I'm going to be speaking with people on personal branding, corporate branding. I want to speak with artists and designers, even streamers. I want to put these guests in front of you and get them to open up about their own brand divides. And I think you'll agree, that's quite enough jazzy intro. Can we just start the show, please? Welcome to this episode of Divided by Brand. I'm Dan O'Cock, and here's what's coming up on this week's show. I've got my first ever Divided by Brand Spotlight guest. Just for you, I'm speaking to a hugely talented designer called Will Saunders. Now, Will is a designer like myself, and he specializes in brand strategy and visual identity, specifically for non-profits and ethical businesses. But Will, and this is the bit that I really wanted to get Will on the show for, Will has spent the last 12 months investing time, effort, and money into himself and his own brand. He has been able to reposition himself and his business so that he can work with the clients that mean the most to him. We're going to talk about his sold out webinar, Can Digital Agencies Save the Planet? That's come off the back of the huge success of Leeds Digital Festival that's happened here in the north of England. I'm also going to be asking him about his motto that he's come up with, based on his own values, a better world by design. Join me as I speak to Will, and I also get him to pick his boldest brand of the week. Welcome to the show, Will Saunders. We have a fantastic guest on the show, and Will is a friend, which we'll kind of come into in a second, but Will is somebody who I wanted to get on the show because what you've done with your own brand and yourself is something that I've been through as well. So for, for the listeners there who don't know anything about me, um, myself and Will both went through um, a process with a coach last year and 
part of that process was very much looking at our own brand. So we're going to kind of delve into that through through the interview. Um, but Will has just come off the back of a very successful Leeds Digital Festival. And I'm going to get Will to talk about his sold-out webinar that he put together for that, which was titled, Can Digital Agencies Save the Planet? So welcome to the show, Will. And tell me a little bit about what you've been up to in the last few weeks, first of all. I mean, the Leeds Digital Festival stuff sounds like it's been really successful for you. Uh, yeah. Hi, Dan. Thank you very much for having me on this. It's an honour to be part of this podcast. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so I've been quite busy for the past few weeks, really. Um, for those who don't know, uh, the Leeds Digital Festival is an annual uh, event or series of events, really, which is a celebration of all things tech in Leeds. So it's the biggest tech um, gathering, I think, in the UK, maybe even in Europe. Um, I believe last year there were more events on one day in Leeds than there were in San Francisco. So it's nice. Pretty big. Nice. Yeah. And obviously, with uh, the events that have happened in the past few months, so with the lockdown, uh, we had to scramble and shift things to be online because um, obviously originally it was face-to-face, big gathering, and we can't be doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into it. Obviously, if you're listening back to this show at a later date, at the moment we find ourselves in a, lo- a global lockdown for the um, coronavirus pandemic. So um, if, if we listen back to this from whatever date, you know, we're hopefully now back in um, normal swing of things, but yeah, we've had to, to move everything online, haven't we? Mm, yeah, there's been a fair bit of disruption. So my involvement with the Leeds Digital Festival, um, I had previously um, attended uh, events in the past and hosted one or two in previous roles in previous businesses. But I want to do something for myself this year, um, and I got in touch with the organisers and we started to talk about how we can try and make this event more sustainable because I'm quite into sustainability and I think we all have a role to play in any capacity that we can. So they were very much on board with it um, and they were like, yep, they had already been thinking about ways to make it happen, you know, in a more sustainable way. So I decided to host an event, uh, as, as you mentioned, called Can Digital Agencies Save the Planet? Yeah, I love that title. I mean, it's, it's straight away. It's like, can we? Let me let me learn more. So, well done on coming up with that one. I think that's a great title for a webinar. Uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, I did kind of go through many iterations in my head of what I would call it. I was always a bit shy to have like a bold name. I, like my first thought was like, you know, our response as digital agencies in you know to the climate crisis. But I was like. It has to be short and snappy, and it's got to, you know, hook well, just in. Yeah, it's just like say say what it is, and it's a great <laughs> summary. You don't need to kind of, um, you know, skirt around it and make it fancy, do you? It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I got... Uh, it was basically sold out, as you said, which was fantastic. So we sold uh, 150 t- tickets. And, yeah, we, we had this really good uh, online uh, discussion. Um, I got some fantastic guest speakers from... Uh, from Leeds, based around Leeds, uh, one was from London. But it was a good range of people from sustainability backgrounds, so, you know, sustainability 
managers uh, in in example in the NHS. Got mm-hmm. some uh, people from PR agencies and digital agencies who have been adapting their own uh, work methods and reviewing the business model. Got some people who are making apps who help measure footprints and offset carbon. And yeah, so we had a good range of speakers who each gave a short presentation um, about what our role is as people uh, in the digital profession in a world that is ever heating and in a world in which our environment is, you know, gradually, well, rapidly rather, getting worse and worse. And my whole point is, you know, business as usual can't continue. That's kind of what got us in this situation. Yeah. And from the conversations I've been having with people in my industry, we all want to act. Everybody wants to do something good. But most people don't know where to start or they feel like they're just an individual and they can't do anything on their own. So the point of um, this um, this event and I'm actually in the process of building uh what I'm calling the Sustainable Agencies um, Initiative, which is effectively a group of digital professionals, uh, digital agencies who want to, you know, positively contribute to the environment. And we're basically building this movement in Leeds to begin with to make some change and uh, change how we act. Um, And not just change how I act within the confines of our own agencies, um, or in this case, you know, our kitchen tables. but to use the tools and the skills, the marketing skills, the design skills, the branding to kind of promote a a message of sustainability that resonates and uh, makes change happen quickly. You now have very much framed yourself within that niche and being able to say that you now focus. You're focusing on this, right? As a as a as a crisis, but also mm-hmm. you've made this part of your brand. And if we go back in time, um, I mean, sort of. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go as far back. I'm going to ask this to a lot of my guests. But if you went back ten years ago uh, and kind of met yourself in a bar and said, "I will, I'm will," you know, what, what would you tell yourself in that bar? 10 years ago? Mm. I would probably say stop drinking Carlsberg. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting. Um, where was I 10 years ago? I was pretty much fresh in my first job. I'd have been about two years into it. And I would say uh, that you don't know anything. because <laughs> you, kn- you know uh, nothing. <laughs> You know nothing here, and that's okay. Um, you know, I've always been quite eager and keen to do stuff, and I was quite, you know, I was very much, and I still am to a certain degree, but I was very much in love with the the art and the craft of design, and you know, the construction of a good logo and a good brand kit and all that stuff, and I was very focused on that. So I was very much internalized and like my focus was. So you were a maker, you were like, you were, you still had that, it's got to look pretty kind of attitude. Yeah, N- not so much focused on why am I doing this and what's the actual goal. I was more focused on being a great designer, making a great visual design. 
which yeah. is which is cool. I mean, you know, that is what we need. But I think um, you know, when you mature and you go through the motions, you kind of think, yeah, okay, cool. You know, design and brand is amazing, but it's just a tool. It's not everything. It's just one part of the mix. So that might so, be what I would tell myself. So, so you'd say to yourself, don't get so caught up with making it look good all of the time. Maybe look at the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. Fun- functional. Uh, I suppose it's about understanding uh, like the role of what I'm doing. Yeah, mm. I'd get that. I think that'd be a good chat. I wouldn't again. I I wouldn't bother with Carlsberg either. <laughs> we we have a saying for that in the northeast where I come from. We call it cooking lager. Um, <laughs> I think it's just to classify it as a cheaper type of drink. All right, <laughs> uh, I, I like that. I like that insight. So, well, one of the questions that I want to ask you, as well as um, all my other guests that come on the show, is to look at and discuss their biggest brand dividing moment. And really look at, in other words, when everything changed for you. When was that moment that you thought things aren't, things don't feel right. This is not, this is not me. This is not my brand. What was that moment up to date, up to this present point that that things changed for you? Mm. So my my biggest brand divide moment. Um, I suppose it was um, a few years after I set up my old agency, which was called Studio Raygun. So those of you who will, those of you who know me, know that I'm a big sci-fi nerd. <laughs> that was the inspiration for that name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so looking back, um, I set up the agency and I set up uh, the brand, the visual identity, and the logo and the graphics and everything around it. That was set up mostly because I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I was very much set into sci-fi, so uh, the logo was a ray gun and it looked quite futuristic. And I did have this thinking that I wanted to, you know, do design for the future. So, but but really I, like I said um, previously, um, I was so focused on the, the craft and the design of logo design and branding. I'm not thinking really of the bigger picture. So, I did that for a few years and I came to the conclusion that it probably wasn't right for me who I am anymore and also the the yeah you know, the people who who were working you know in the business or contracting alongside it um you know they weren't really on board with the vision because there really wasn't much of a vision yeah I mean do you think that you'd kind of come up I'd done it before myself you come up with something that you like the look of you think looks cool but then you you just suddenly turn around and go actually this resonates zero percent with everybody that i want to speak to (laughs) i think that you know um the name and the logo like stuck with people it kind of stood out and it was oh wow that is a very memorable name um but the way i was going with the business was i was kind of moving towards more ethical brands and like maybe charities and a few years down the line where i am now where i'm at now is more i guess sustainable um you know the sustainability world and yeah that is not in line at all with what i'm doing like yeah. studio reagan you think it's maybe like some like kind of pretty cool hip you know agency that works on exciting brands and that's kind of where i was when i started it because, like I said, I was wanting to be 
a cool designer who loves craft. And that was really where I was at. Uh, like this was quite a few years ago now. And I've been through the motions. I've understood my values and why I do what I do. And it, it's not just to make stuff look nice. It's not just to help you know big brands sell more stuff. It's to actually make a difference. And that's when I went through the process of thinking, okay, um, you know, that old brand is kind of the old me. And yeah, yeah. Feels, feels a bit immature, or at least I've matured since then. So that's why I came up with my new, you know, Goodwill Studios brand. And that's far more in line with my ethos. It resonates better with who I talk to. Like the people just kind of get that and they get the, you know, they get the pun. And like, like you've mentioned, you know, the whole strap line, it just makes a lot more sense because it's based on, you know, um, the values that I've identified and it's more strategic than just thinking, this looks really cool. I'll run with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think when you think back to, to Studio Reagan, if you'd carried on with that as a, as a name and a brand, I don't think you would have been behind it as well as a, at the same amount. I wouldn't give you that confidence um, in doing what you do. Um, and I think that's an important point for anybody else who's out there. You know, the whole point of the show and to ask these questions to people like yourself is for, the, for that, that brand dividing moment, that time, that space in time where you suddenly realize that the brand that you had wasn't doing the job and the brand that you had wasn't going to get you to where you wanted to be. You know, you changed that and you mm -hmm. changed the brand in order to, to engage with the right audience. And if anyone else is coming up against this milestone, it's to, I want to kind of pull out those, those key moments and the feelings that, that, that made you decide, you know, this has got to change. You know, what, at what point was it where you went, I can't do this anymore, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, th there wasn't really one big point or one moment. It was more of a gradual thing. I suppose it was me falling a bit out of love for a moment with, with, with what I do, um, or at least I was thinking what I'm doing isn't fulfilling as much. So because I was very wrapped up in my brand was all about me as a designer, not solving problems. I think I gradually fell a bit out of love with my existing brand, sorry, my old brand. Yeah. And then I was very gradually moving towards another one, which felt more right with my values and what I wanted to do. So it kind of, kind of, you know, emerged from that thought process. Um, Do you think that, I know we're talking here like on a one person business, both you and me, we are we're the only people in the business, right? Do you think that the same principles can be applied if you are the owner of a business with quite a high number of staff? Do you think that, um, as a business owner, if you're getting those feelings of not believing in what your business is doing and its vision and its um, mission, I guess, the values and its mission, do you think that it will filter through to your staff and that you owe it to them and yourself 
in order to address these brand divide moments, I'd call them, that they could be experiencing as well. So it's not just a one-man one-man bands that go through this, but owners of businesses with multiple staff can have these moments as well, right? Mm, absolutely. I think it's harder and more layered when it's a larger business because obviously <clears throat> when you are a you know a one-man band, so to speak, you are the business and your brand is really you and any kind of visual identity that you stamp on it that's your brainchild and that's your goals. Um, you know, that kind of, you know, it summarizes your goals and what you want to do. When it's a larger uh, organization, um, you're not just representing one person. I mean, it's good to have the brand heritage of, say, you know, the founder who made this happen and they can put their mark on it. Um, I suppose with, with it, when it is a larger organization, either like an agency or any you know, business or social enterprise. Suppose the focus should be even more so turned to the audience. So it might not be what you as a business owner think about your brand. It's how you are perceived. And I suppose you've got to regularly review your perception, you know, um, understand like the landscape and where you sit and you feel if you need to strategically reposition yourself uh, I think um, yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's definitely um, like visual brand that, that you're referring to there. But I'm thinking more on the along the lines of a, a, a happiness and fulfilment as a business owner. So we we've changed our brands, and as a result, we've become fundamentally happier in what we do. And that's reflected in the work and who we work with. I think business owners, like I've just described, mm. can actually get more happiness and fulfillment by making sure that they're, if they do come against these brand divides, that they address them sooner rather than later in order to be mm. happier in what they do. And I think that I think that filtered or should filter down through the business so that the mm-hmm. staff become happier as well. I, I don't know what do you agree on that. I do, yeah. And um, the kind of hot uh, hot topic at the moment is 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 purpose. So purpose over profit. That's pretty much um, you know where I think things are shifting to at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, if 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 these businesses can. Um, realize that like they said you know um if the owners and the staff are feeling a bit unfulfilled or there's something not quite right it might be the fact that what they're doing you know it might obviously pay the bills but is it really yeah a purpose-driven organization and if not what can they do to you know adapt and change because um there's a statistic I read recently. I can't quite remember the source, but we can add it in the notes later. But it's, I believe it's like between 85 and 90% of, of consumers expect uh, a brand to uh, be contributing positively to a social cause. So if if a business isn't isn't doing that, they may feel unfulfilled themselves. And they're not really going to be set up for the future because, you know this generation and the next generation especially are going to be a lot more 
purpose driven you know yeah I, sales yeah i agree i think the time of um time of owners business owners sitting in you know sitting in their high tower um <laughs> is over <laughs> um like the, that that whole I think it's probably an 80s thing. I probably watched too many 80s films where the, right. the, 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 owner, the owner sat on a leather chair behind a massive desk at the top of a building. Like, um, in those days, had well, well and truly gone. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. That from what we've just chatted about, your, it seems to me like your biggest dividing moment that when everything changed for you was when you made that shift um, to work with sustainable businesses and focus your energy and your brand around that, which would allow you to then engage in those biz- with those businesses and become more fulfilled. So I think, I think, yeah, that's, that is your biggest brand dividing moment. I'd say that my, 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 my biggest brand divide moment was when I realized that my agency shouldn't be just a vehicle for my own ego and for me to design cool things. It was to use my design skills for something more meaningful and to do some good in the world. And Will has a fantastic tagline, which I really like as well. Tell me about the tagline. Yeah, so this is effectively the kind of life motto that I try to live. So the tagline is a better world by design. Yeah. So I don't think I, I can change the world on my own, but that l- outlines like the bigger picture goal. I want to use design, creativity, and brand to not only inspire businesses and the organizations, you know, social enterprises that I work with to uh, succeed and do a positive change, but I suppose in this very fast-paced world people see your brand or they experience your your brand touch point for a split second and you want to get across the big picture yeah so that's what i've settled on and i think it works Um, does it feel right you know when i mean when i read it i it, (laughs) it for me it summarizes you in a way having got to know you so i've seen it grow and change but does it feel right when you see it now it does does yeah um when I started this whole, um, like, I suppose, self-reband, self-discovery, I was a bit shy. I, I didn't feel comfortable making a big, bold statement because it was like, well, you know, I'm just one guy. I can't do all this. And even though that's still true, I think the confidence in, you know, understanding your own story, understanding your values, that, like I said, that gives you the confidence to make a bold statement and, you know... Uh, stick the flag in the ground to say this is me this is what I want to achieve I might not get there but I'll try my best I uh, yeah I think you, you're absolutely bang on with the whole how it makes you feel because right now uh, tell me if I'm wrong but I would imagine what how you feel doing work now compared to how you felt doing work 10 years ago are just night and day right mm, mm. yeah and i'm focusing not so much on the you know the pixels i'm focusing on the purpose yeah exactly and so if there's anyone listening 
to this particular episode and they're thinking to themselves that they resonate with what you've just described and the fact that they might be at a junction in, well, definitely in, in the current climate where perhaps they've, they've paused their, if they're in work or a full-time job, um, doing what they do is not quite fulfilling them. Um, what advice would you say to them? I mean, what, what would you say to somebody who's having those same feelings that you had 10 years ago? What, what would you say to them? Mm. So you mentioned earlier the whole icky guy thing. Um, I would say that is worth researching into. Um, I'm not quite sure how it's spelled, I'm sure. You can post it in the show notes um, afterwards. But yeah, um, just identify what makes you happy as a person outside of work, what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Understand um, what gaps exist in the world um, and how you could use the skills that you've got to, you know, uh, fill that gap. And so essentially start with looking at your values and, you know, Ikigai is one way of looking at that. And I will put a link um, to some, some resources in there to, to help people who are interested in looking. Um, but look at what's going to make you happy in terms of the val- the values, personal values, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, you might be absolutely fine um, doing your job, focusing on the skills and the craft, and whether that's, you know, UX design or web design or branding illustration, um, what might be the thing that pushes you forward is is the love for that design, and that's 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 good. That's that is awesome. But if you if you're feeling that you know that that alone isn't feeding you, then yeah, I would definitely take a look into the process of the values uh, that you have in your own personal life and and try to align you know, your business or your professional values with your personal values. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'll be anyway. Yeah. And I think, I think now there are a ton of resources out there. I mean, there are coaches, but there's also online courses. There's things that you can do to start the ball rolling that will open your eyes to a different way of approaching how you earn money and, um, I guess how you brand yourself and how people perceive you, which will will change your life essentially. Because I definitely feel that my life's been changed since since I delved into that, and I'm I'm going to guess it's the same for you, is it? It has, yeah, yeah. I'm a lot happier, um, and the actual work that I do hasn't changed that much, really. As in, I thought that I would have to, you know do a bit of a, 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 a 180 in reevaluating what I do. But it hasn't really changed that much. If anything, it's evolved and improved. Yeah. And the scope of what I feel that I'm able to do has increased. Like previously, because I was very much focused on, say, logo design and such, I would start every, every conversation thinking, okay, I, I, I'm just going to do a logo design and that's the, that's the project. But now, because I'm looking a bit further, I'm... I'm asking, what can I do with my skill set that I've built up over the past decade? Well, not only, but not only that, though, I think you're probably looking at um, how you can help that business 
um, because of the fact that you've got the passion and the desire to help them um, in that environment and in, in that whole, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the environment saving approach, the passion for you to do that means that it comes across and it doesn't really matter what the work is, but you know you want to get your teeth in in order to help them. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And it, I, I mean, I'm just going to say it for anybody that's at any point in their life where things aren't fulfilling them is just to get, just to change, change what you're doing because you're going to feel, you know, a thousand percent better for doing it. Mm. Um, and a good coach helps as well. It, it I does. Want to do a quick, uh, <laughs> quick shout out to our coach, uh, Matt. Matt yeah. Essen. He was very helpful in this process. Yeah, Matt's, also, Matt's already said he's going to. He said he will come on the show. I'm just waiting for him to book a call. So when he <laughs> listens, when he listens to this episode, that's another prod. I'm sure he can't refuse after this glowing review. <laughs> There's a book also that I'd like to recommend, um, not just to designers but to anybody. But it's really helped my design profession. But okay. uh, it, the book's called um, "Key Person of Influence" by Daniel Priestley, and. Um, yeah, that it was a really helpful tool that came at the right time in my life um, to help me to piece things together. So, awesome. yeah, well, I'll, I'll get a link. Resources. Awesome. Well, I'll get a link in the show notes to that as well. Um, I do follow Dan on a couple of different social media platforms, so I'll, I'll pop a little link to his various little accounts. And yeah, if anyone's interested to go check him out, they can do. Um, what I was going to kind of round off things with was the question that I'd put aside. Well, actually, there's a couple of questions. One of them was nice and easy, which was I'd like to know brand a brand that you can think of right now that's kind of top of your list of I like what they're doing. So they're like a wow list. I like what these guys are doing now. Who is that for you? Mm. So... I'll answer that, but I'll just start by saying um, I've been quite interested in watching how brands have uh, adapted over the past few weeks, obviously in response to the virus and the lockdown. Hmm. It's I think it's quite easy to tell uh, when a brand doesn't really care or doesn't really have something that can help, um, but they are adapting the message anyway. Uh, you can tell that there's a big difference between those who do want to help and those who just want to, you know, use the pandemic to to promote what they already do, yeah. wrapped in a slightly more caring tone of voice or wrapped in some pandemic language. I agree. Um, do you think, just to pause on that one, do you think that those are the brands that haven't really got their own value and mission properly in place? Maybe, or maybe they are just just a bit too big, you know? Like, they cannot... Uh, like these these bigger brands, perhaps they they can't genuinely say that we care if they don't, for example, pay their staff a living wage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah they, yeah. they can put these adverts out that say, you know, we're a family, we're all together, but scratch the surface, and it's like, well, they're not yeah, not doing yeah. that. So yeah. I, I think people, not just branding uh, um, professionals such as ourselves, but the, the public, they can they can smell that. They see through it. I mean, you, 
you just know, don't you? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I mean, it's a good point. No, I like it, and I think that's ideal to, to yeah. throw in there right now. Is just that the, the you, <laughs> there are brands that are taking advantage of the situation, and that's the best way to describe it. And it's not going to work for them when it when it comes out the other side. Um, I don't think we have to name names. Um, no. There's, no, there's not really any point. <laughs> um, but besides those that are perhaps taking advantage or throwing in those marketing tag strap lines with COVID or whatever, mm-hmm. Corona, and who's doing it right for you, though? Who's, who is the, wow, I like what's going on here? Yeah, there's a few. And I think that um, I will kind of keep it, keep it a bit more small and a bit more local. So... Um, there is there's this this fantastic um, charity that are based in Leeds, or they started in Leeds. They've expanded. Uh, they're called the Real Junk Food Project, and um, they are all about like their brand is all about effectively reclaiming uh, unused food that would basically end up in landfill. All right, but it's still good. It's it's still fresh. It's perhaps pretty much on its sell-by date, so it's still got a few days left. Um, but they basically intercept this food that would end up in in the bins or landfill, mm-hmm. and they take it and, and they cook really healthy, nutritious meals for people who you know might not be able to afford it otherwise. And they've set up some pop up shops, they have kitchens around, and they they do really good work. And they are so authentic in what they do. Um, and I think that their whole like the brand ethos and their message is obvious in everything that they do. And, but, and there you go, you see, but you've got a perfect example of a business that's been set up to help and serve with a reason, you know? They're doing what they want to do because they love doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, they've, they've identified a problem. They've, because the guy who started it, I believe he's a... Um, he was a chef, so obviously food is his is his background. Yeah. Um, he went through some some hard times himself, and he was like, "Right, I don't want to just you know keep cook, cooking expensive meals for posh people. Why don't I do something different?" Um, <laughs> I might be kind of paraphrasing his story or, or or putting words in his mouth, but that's what I gather from the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out there, and he's yeah he's using his skills for good. And yeah, they've they've started this movement that's really useful and really, you know, really uh, fantastic. Just give me the name of that project again, Will. Yeah, so it's the Real Junk Food Project. The Real Junk Food Project. So is that um, based in Leeds, where where you you are? Uh, yeah, I think it was um, it was originated in Leeds. Um, I I do know it's expanded a bit a bit further afield. I'm not sure if it's a national initiative yet, but. It's um, they've they've got quite a loose kind of structure, so you can kind of set up your own, I suppose, chapter or franchise or something based on the, the underlying principles of, you know, um, food waste shouldn't exist. Yeah, everybody should should go to bed with food in the belly, especially kids. Absolutely, so that's the underlying principles that fuel them. It's great. Well, look, I'll pop up. We'll also get a link to that in the show notes as well, so that people can go check out um, check out their website and see what they're doing. 
Mm. So let's kind of draw this to a bit of a conclusion. And I think I've enjoyed chatting to you about your journey. Um, and I think that, or I hope that the listeners have seen how, you know, when you came up against that challenge at first of not realizing, um, or, or, or I guess you realized that you were at odds with yourself. Um, you took action to change how you did what you did. And that took the form of, without even realizing it, it took the form of rebranding yourself in my eyes. And what that led to was a much happier will doing what he loves best and engaging or being able to then engage with the businesses um, and the brands that you wanted to help in order to help them achieve. So kind of everybody became happy. I don't know if that's a fair summary of your brand divides, your brand challenges um, up to this point in life. How, how, how have I done? <laughs> I would I would give you an A or an A plus. That was a very good summary. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Will, was if you actually think branding will play a part in helping to reduce climate change. Mm. I think I think that it can. It most definitely can. Um, and I suppose it's about um, reviewing your own brand values. So you've got to have those values that are truly in line with um you know uh, reducing your impact making a positive positive change in the world and then outwardly um and effectively communicating that through brand so through your visual identity through your brand language through every like touch point that you put out there for you, the people who will interact with uh, your brand so i think there's definitely the the strength of brand and creative design that can do that. It can inspire change. It can effectively get people thinking and start the conversation. I guess yeah. there's the risk of um, branding being used, you know, to put those messages out there when the core company don't really have those values. It's just a kind of a potential green washing exercise and that's the risk so so do you think there's um i mean that's the visual again because we're designers we, we kind of default to the visual or the yeah. interaction between the audience and what they see or what they read but as a brand as a company who's considering helping to change uh, climate change and in the impact that they're having can that brand can that brand change happen within without being outwardly seen? So just an internal brand change, if you like. Mm, mm. I think, I think, I think that it can. I mean, uh, I think what I'm trying to say is that there's probably businesses out there that will understand and feel compelled to want to make a difference, but if they are think, sat there thinking or listening even thinking well I'm not rebranding to help change what's happening with the environment what else could I do can I change can I change my brand values within the staff to help make a change yeah yeah you're right so I guess it's all about you know your values like I do think that say you know 
uh, fossil fuel industry will will kind of struggle. You know, a big fossil fuel company they might struggle to do that. They may, you know, they may realize you know the role they play and funnel some of their resources into more say renewable energies as part of their values to try and do something good. But that's kind of an extreme example, like the everyday. A business or a charity or like the social enterprises that I work with I think there's a lot more potential there to review uh, you know the values and the goals and the ethics and then that resonates outwards maybe not all the way out to the public perception but outwards to how they work with their team you know the the, the processes that they put in place they'll be like okay can we make these steps um, slightly, you know, less damaging, or we can perhaps choose to um, work with a different, different supplier who's yeah. got, you know, better green credentials. In fact, we are all already seeing, um, and this was something that was picked up during my Leeds Digital Festival event. How, um, how, when businesses are pitching for work. Um, particularly large agencies, um, they are starting to get asked more and more about their own green credentials. So it's not just a nice to have, you know, it's becoming a business vital thing to not only review your own, you know, sustainability values as a brand, but also act upon them. And you can only benefit by going through that process and then having some external public-facing uh, brand messages or, you know, a tweak in your language or a tweak in how you, you know, position yourself. That, I think, is important, not only for their own business, but I think we need to normalise this. I think, you know... Yeah, so, it's, that so, that it's, so that it's not a... You're not just seen as special because you're doing that. It should be everybody that's, that's doing it full stop. Yeah, I mean... We have to, for the sake of the world, but also um, public perception is key. And this is where brand, you know, can really influence things. Like we need to make sure that uh, environmentalism and sustainability is not just a hippie thing, you know. The, um, whilst, whilst I think Extinction Rebellion and other kind of, you know, like the climate strikes and all those movements, they're doing inherently good things and they're starting the conversation and raising awareness there is still a bit of a perception that they are quite like either extreme or it's a bunch of hippies <laughs> yeah and, they've got their know, own they've got their own branding a, issue with with that then haven't they exactly yeah so if we make you know like if we can thread sustainable thinking and sustainable brand values into most businesses like i was speaking with with um a business that make like tiles, you know, just the floor tiles and wall tiles. Yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, yep, this is probably about as far away from a cool, sustainable thing that 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 there is. But but when I got speaking to them, like they are actually the most sustainable business that I've spoken to, because awesome. you know they they basically they've revamped their entire factory to be like really efficient. Um, I think they've they've um they've they've, they've even installed like green walls on the exterior of the building and they don't waste the products etc so it's like okay cool this is a great example of a business who has understood a sustainable brand is 
a resilient future thinking brand so I in like answer that. to your question yes, yeah that's a uh, good statement that it, 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 yeah. and and yeah just to to that question that i put out there was if you if you think branding will play a part in helping to reduce climate change i guess the resounding answer is yes yeah i mean it 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 has to you know we don't have much choice um got to uh, use our skills to at least start the conversation um, where it hasn't been started and push it forward where it has. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put all the, all the links to Will's websites in the show notes. Uh, I'll just recap them again. It's goodwillstudios.com. That's your own site, isn't it, Will? That's kind of where we can find out a little bit more about you, see some of the work um, that you've been doing and, and see who you've been working with, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is my design world. Perfect. And then Will is also the founder of a movement called Sustainable Agencies. And Sustainable Agencies, I'm going to kind of read a bit ad-lib here, but that's an initiative which you've made to found or lead the change um, against climate breakdown. So you wanted to bring... I guess the, the digital community together in your words to reduce the environmental impact, but use your skills to inspire change and confront the challenges facing our planet. And the sustainable agencies has got its own website, sustainableagencies.com. And I believe you've got a Facebook group and quite a bit of stuff um, going on with that right now. And if anyone wants to, to be part of that, I'd just advise them to go check that out on, on the website and check out Facebook groups. Is that right, Will? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of uh, a lot of appetite for at the moment. A lot of digital professionals who are eager to do something, but they don't know where to start. They don't feel they have support. So I'm trying because that's how I felt. I'm trying to pull together, you know, the creativity and resources of our amazing industry. Um, you know, brand designers, front end developers, back end developers, marketers, everybody who's in digital tech or t- sorry, digital uh, industry to come together and yeah use the skills for good awesome i couldn't agree more with you will and i think you shared some fantastic insights there uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and like i've already said you're going to find links to all of will's sites and, and all of the work that he does is going to be posted in the show notes So here we are, the end of another episode. If you want to read more about my own work or my business, or if you feel like applying to be a guest on the show, which I am looking for new guests, if you feel like anything on the show has resonated with you on any level, please get in touch. You can do all of this via my website, which is danielocock.com. You'll be able to listen to more episodes on there. You can see some of my designs, some of my illustration work as well. You'll also find all my social media channels. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and there is some stuff on Instagram. You'll be able to engage with me directly on there. The podcast itself is available to download via most of the major platforms out there. So thinking Spotify, iTunes, things like that. If you like the show, then please don't forget to hit share and it would be great to read a review or two from yourselves. Um, Just tell me what you think about the show. I will read some of those out at the end of each episode and I'd like to give some special mentions and thanks to anyone who does take the time to write one. And on that note, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, how do you expect 
anyone else to be.